welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist and witch, and today I have an interview with Gabby Herstick for you. Gabby, who uses she, her pronouns, is an author, columnist, and witch based in Los Angeles. Her practice is really rooted in goddess, in glamour, and divine feminine, and sexuality. And I really appreciated this conversation that we had. Also, Gabby is just so easy and fun to talk to. (laughs) Um, But we talked about her journey with witchcraft from growing up Jewish and knowing that she was a witch from a young age, integrating Jewish mystic practices from her background with witchcraft, the role that sexuality and sexual energy play in her practice, being devoted to Venus, what the divine feminine is to her, which just a side note, I mentioned this in our conversation, but I really wanted to ask Gabby about this because I think so much of what is shared about the divine feminine, especially in like white new agey spaces is like literally just purity culture, the gender binary, patriarchy, harmful gender norms all wrapped up into like one fucked up thing and we're calling it spiritual. Um, And I know Gabby's practice is not that, so I really appreciated talking about this with her. And we also talk about her practice with goddess energy and what she's learning about love from these goddesses. We talk about her relationship with creativity, creative rituals, embodying your magic, self-care during the pandemic, loneliness. Um, It's a really wide-ranging and perfectly witchy conversation, (laughs) which I feel like I haven't had a conversation on here in a little while that was specifically around witchcraft so i'm really excited to be sharing it with you today and to be yeah to be going there with gabby and on the podcast again so i did want to share i have an exciting announcement <laughs> before we get into the interview i've mentioned this in the past couple episodes that this was coming but breathwork for the heart is officially open and i want to share a bit about it um it feels especially good to be offering this program this November. Um, I think every year is, but this year especially feels like a year for big feelings. And one of the things that I've found myself feeling on and off throughout the year is numbness. And I know that when I can't feel my heart anymore, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm spending too much time consuming the news, I know that I've hardened, I know that I'm numb, which I think is a really brilliant nervous system strategy for safety, for survival, for protection, and I'm grateful for that. And also, I don't want to stay there. (laughs) Um, I want to be touched. I want to feel. I want to feel aliveness. I want to feel alive. And you know I have a whole thing about feelings being aliveness. I really believe that. Um, And yeah, if you're there too and your heart is needing some extra tending right now, I would love to welcome you to join Breathwork for the Heart. It's my online group breathwork series for feeling your feelings and creating deeper intimacy with yourself through heart healing and heart opening. We're really going to be working with releasing stuck emotional energy from the body, releasing shame, deepening self-acceptance, all in community um, with three live breathwork groups. There are three rituals for your own practice. There's a daily heart check-in meditation. 
that I've had folks share that they're still using now, <laughs> even though this last round or the first time I did it and last time I did it was a year ago. Um, but this time there's also going to be a Mighty Networks community to connect with each other as a place to share and process and see and be seen together, which I'm really excited for. Last time that I offer this, we didn't have that. So yeah, registration is open today through the end of the week, and our first class is on December 5th. The Mighty Networks is going to open earlier that week, so we can all be in there and start to get to know each other and start to feel into the container before the first gathering. Um, I really believe that breathwork is spell work, you know, in the vein of this episode, but I think it's true, and in breathwork for the heart, my intention is really for the spell that we weave together be for healing into more love, into more of ourselves. And yeah, I'd love to see you there, breathe with you, be with you, feel with you if your heart is needing some extra care this season. And if you're already feeling like it's a fuck yes, if you've been waiting for this since last November, <laughs> um, you can register today and you'll also get my 30 days of embodiment course called Get Into Your Body for free. I think it'll be a really great compliment to the work we'll be doing in Breathwork for the Heart. So the link is in the description, obviously, <laughs> for you to get all the details and join us and you can read some more um words from people who did breathwork for the heart last year if you want to hear from some folks who actually participated those are there for you as well um yeah and with that let's get into this interview with gabby i always like to start the show by hearing about your journey so i'd love to hear how you found witchcraft and came into this practice and this work yeah so i have been a practicing witch for like almost probably like 14 years at this point. I came into the craft when I was really young. I was about 12 when I started identifying with witchcraft, but I've always been very interested by the unknown and the esoteric. And this in part was fostered by my parents. Um, my mom though, like even though she won't call herself a witch, she has always been into meditation and energy work and dream recall and yoga and has been in, has been into that since way before I was born. Um, so I grew up like seeing her altars and holding her pyramids and like ever since I was a toddler, I was talking about God and talking to God and like very just like a, a true Aquarian crystal child. Um, my father is a rabbi and he is a rabbi in the reform movement, which is the most one of the most liberal uh, sex of Judaism. So he always really fostered my curiosity about the unknown and God and death. Um, since I was really young, I've always felt safe having those conversations with him. But I, I officially got my start in witchcraft when I was in sixth grade, I was probably about 11. Um, and I received a deck of fairy oracle cards for Hanukkah. And I became obsessed with fairies and wanted to know everything there is, was to know about them. And this eventually led me to a book called A Witch's Guide to Fairy Folk. And I learned about witchcraft and about goddess and about the earth. And um, a few years before, when I was in third grade, she's so like nine or something, I had gone to Salem, Massachusetts with my twin sister, my grandma, my maternal grandma and my aunt, uh, my aunt's birthday was on Halloween and we went on Halloween and 
I went to the witchcraft museum and stood in front of these wax figures that told me about Wicca, which at the time I ended up identifying with, though I I no longer identify as Wiccan, but I learned about witchcraft and went to Laurie Cabot's store and saw a ritual and ate a pomegranate. And it was really powerful. I, it's, it definitely struck, stuck with me. And a few years later, when I got this book on fairies and witchcraft, it was like something, you know, something clicked. And I just, I knew it was a sense of coming home to myself of like deep recognition. Um, and I haven't had anything like that since it was, it was really profound. And um, I ended up, you know, reading a lot more about witch, witchcraft and Wicca. And that was when I was really introduced to the divine feminine and different faces of the goddess. And that summer I spent a month, the first time I'd ever been like away at sleepaway camp, I spent a whole month at a Jewish sleepaway camp where I was miserable and cried for the first week because I already knew that I was a witch and that I was pagan. And it was hard, but I spent this, the month um, gardening and making tea and reading about the goddess under my covers of the cabin that I was in and writing letters to her. Um, and I knew that I was a witch. I knew that I was pagan. I knew that I had a deep belief that there was more than just one masculine monotheistic God. Um, I ended up going through my bat mitzvah process, still having this belief. And um, when I was in high school, I started a fashion blog and eventually in college started writing about witchcraft on there, which led me to, and then I, I had a whole series of outfit photo posts inspired by different tarot cards and I collaborated with a photographer and I started, um, I did, I think about nine tarot cards, nine of the major arcana cards. And that's really when I started to merge my love of glamour and fashion with witchcraft and then I moved to LA to intern with Vivian Westwood and started writing more for Nylon and Broadly and other places and eventually landed a book deal. But yeah, my parents thought that it was a phase, which I understand. Like I, I was definitely like a bit bitter about it growing up, but now I'm like, Oh yeah. If my 12 year old was like, I'm a witch, I would probably like, if I didn't know about that, I'd probably think it was a phase too, but obviously it's not a phase. And, um, yeah, my practice is really, really rooted in the goddess and the divine feminine, as well as glamour and sexuality. And um, it's been really validating to see the different ways in which this has been like integrated both into my life and my work. So yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing all that. Um, I'm curious from what you were sharing, if you integrate any like practices from your lineage or any of your upbringing from Judaism with your witchcraft now? Oh, that's a good question. So I, so growing up, I grew up in the deep South. I grew up in a suburb of Atlanta. So it's still a suburb, but we had like mega churches and people were very into purity rings and definitely had many people who thought I was going to hell for not believing in Jesus. Um, so I had a lot of resentment towards the fact that first off, everybody knew my sister and I as the rabbi's daughter. We were forced to go to temple. I mean, we weren't, my dad was pretty like lenient. Like we could miss temple to go to school dance or like, you know, to do stuff. But for a long time, like before my bat mitzvah, I was really, you know, going to temple a lot. And um, because I went through a bat mitzvah process, knowing that it wasn't what I believed in and knowing that I was a witch, I felt a lot of resentment towards Judaism. Um, and it's only really within the past couple of years that I've 
been able to reconnect with it in a way that resonates with me. Um, and mostly that is through the Western mystery tradition or Western occultism, esotericism, specifically through Hermetic Kabbalah, which uses the tree of life, which is the Kabbalistic glyph of the universe um, created by rabbis back in the day. And it overlays this with astrology and with tarot cards um, and other more modern practices and Studying that has really felt very validating because I've taken this like glyph that has been, you know, worked with for thousands of years that was started by people in my, um, in my background, in my heritage, in the religion I grew up with, but I'm working it with it in a way that resonates with me in this time and with like all the other kind of magical practices I'm doing. So that has been really powerful. And that has been um, a total surprise. I never thought that my years and years of Hebrew school would pay off at all. But now like I can read Hebrew and I, or I kind of, I can read it better now because I've been practicing, but it's been really powerful to work with this, with that glyph in this way. And also I have been reading and researching um, about the goddess in Hebrew and Jewish religion, as well as just like monotheism. So I think that's a, a big part of why I am starting to feel more connected with, with Judaism, because I've been learning about the fact that there was a Hebrew goddess and that the goddess, I mean, goddess religion was the first religion for everybody. Like that was the OG thing that we believed in was the goddess of life and death and rebirth. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, Bitter is the wrong word, but I am just like a little bit annoyed that it took me until a couple of years ago to even really the past year to learn about the goddess in Judaism. And I do believe that if I had had that connection or that understanding going through my bat mitzvah process, it would have been very uh, different, not as traumatic, but um, yeah, I'm slowly getting there. It's been a really interesting path. Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm like, that feels inspiring to me. I grew up in a really religious Christian home and I'm not, not quite there yet with like, I totally the, get that. Yeah. Integrate. But I like, I, I love the idea of it and I hope that someday I'll be yeah. able to maybe work with some of those more positive things or explore yeah. some of the more mystical things. I definitely feel like I've, as I've been reading, so I'm working on a book about the goddess, about goddesses. So I've been doing a lot of research and, um, I definitely didn't really feel a connection to Christianity growing up, but as I learned more about like Gnosticism and how the Virgin Mary really was like the goddess that was veiled as a not goddess, it, it's been really beautiful. So if that resonates, Gnosticism is, I feel like it's so much more true of the beliefs that Jesus had that, you know, like heaven is within you and the feminine and masculine must be in balance to really get to that place so I definitely feel that and I feel like there's this like again because I was I was raised reformed like I never was pressured to like have to wait till marriage for sex and like the shame is just like not on the same level so I just have so much respect for people who are raised Christian who take that journey to like reclaim their own values and eradicate that shame because it's a lot it's a lot 
Yeah. It's a lot. When you were like purity rings, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I remember those. Oh, I got yeah. in trouble when I was in high school because my mom wanted to get me a purity ring and I refused. And it was Good. Like- <laughs> oh my God. I'm glad that you were able to like at least have that for yourself and be like, no, I don't resonate with this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that brings me to something else that I really appreciate about your work, which is, I actually wrote this down because I was like, I have to share this on Instagram the other day. You said, my brand is Cosmic Thirst Trap. And if you don't want to see me half naked and learn about witchcraft, unfollow me. (laughs) And I was just like, yeah. So I want to ask you about what the role of sexuality and sexual energy is in your work with magic, your witchcraft practice, and just how you connect with that in your life. Yeah. Well, thank you for appreciating that. I like having that realization that was my brand. I was like, wow, that is so accurate. Like, (laughs) it's so funny because I feel like my parents, like their biggest fear for me or like their biggest fear that I would fuck up like my image was that I would be too sexual online. I was being too sexual online that I was swearing too much and I was talking too much about witchcraft and like now all those things are my my literal job so that's pretty um, awesome <laughs> yeah it's been really funny I'm like I just like don't like, I'm I've been fucking posting half naked photos on the internet for literally a decade so it's like whatever at this point <laughs> um but yeah so I definitely like it took I was a late bloomer in every aspect of the word like got my period late, started exploring with my own sexuality later. But what really, I think, changed my relationship to sexuality was when I started to work with the goddess Venus. And Venus is the Roman goddess equivalent, basically. I mean, there's some differences to the Greek Aphrodite, and she is the goddess of love and glamour and victory and wealth and receiving. Venus, too, is also a goddess of war, though I don't really work with her in that aspect very much. Um, But I when I started to work with her and I became a devotee of her, I started to see my sexuality and like my relationship with my own sexuality, both as a something divine and as an offering to her. And one of the ways that I really started to work with this was through a series of photographs and like channeled poems that I called love letters from Venus. And I would put lingerie on and then put, flowers in my lingerie and then take a selfie portrait as I call them um, just like with my phone and I would write a poem that I felt that Venus was channeling through me and that was really the first step I took in kind of connecting my magical practice with my sexuality and since then it's definitely deepened and intensified and transformed but um I think that at least to me, sexual energy is like, that's the energy of creation and that's energy of the goddess. It's like, I don't think I'm going to have kids, but like, I do consider my book with my magical children because it's something that I, you know, I've taken that kind of sexual energy, which is what births people and what births things. And I've channeled that into something that I care about. And I think when we realize that sexual energy is creative energy and that we can channel that in many ways besides just like having sex with other people um both through you know doing sex magic or using sexual energy as a way or using orgasms and sexual energy as a way to charge a working or a ritual or a spell or intention um I think it really opens the door to like the kind of black and white sexual sexuality that we're a lot of us are taught that it's either like something that should just be saved for somebody you love or that 
it's totally not okay ever. Like there's definitely this kind of dichotomy with like the way that I feel like we view sexuality, you know, the virgin whore kind of binary. And when I started working with goddesses of love, it really opened my eyes to the fact that like, I was the only person responsible for like fulfilling my needs. Um, And this led me on a journey of both like intentional celibacy. I didn't really realize at the time that it was what I needed, but I really took the, the mantle for like responsibility for my own experiences. And I started thinking of myself as my own lover. Like, what do I want to, to have with other people? What do I want to receive from other people? And I asked myself how I could give that to myself instead. Um, and that was a really big moment for me. And it really deepened my, um, my magical practice because I, I started to see that kind of like partnership within myself and with goddess. Um, and that's also around the time that I started exploring with kink and BDSM. And as I have continued to deepen my practice with that, it has definitely reflected my devotion to goddess. Um, and it's been really powerful. I feel like something I only recently realized was that like the different things I felt very passionately about growing up, both fashion and dance. I did ballet for years and years growing up and also sexuality and sexual expression, which feels very important for me, even though I don't necessarily always know why. Like I had this aha moment the other day where I realized that like all of these different aspects that I feel passionately about are ways in which I connect to the goddess. And like part of the reason that those things feel so important to me is because like that's a way for me to embody that energy. Um, So for me, like my sexual expression, like my relationship with kink, as well as like my like self-expression through clothing, like it's super interrelated with my magical practice. And that's something that I always felt like I knew, but had never been able to pin down. Um, And like, I've always just like loved dressing slutty. Like I love wearing short skirts. I love wearing spandex. I love like pushing the limits, um, which I blame on my Aquarius and Scorpio uh, stelliums. But (laughs) I, I think that for me, that is part of like the energy of, the goddess and it's been um really fun and strange and subversive journey which I'm very grateful for yeah I mean I love that so much of what you're saying is really resonating and I guess I'm you're mentioning to like divine feminine and connection to goddess and I mean I could hear you talk about Venus all day because I feel so connected to Venus I you might be able to see I have her symbol oh, tattooed on me <laughs> um But yeah, I guess I'm wondering how you think about the divine feminine. I feel like this is a topic that I thought I understood when I like first heard it and connected with it years ago and then realized I actually had no idea what the fuck it was. And I think it's easy to be like, I don't know, to see like one version of divine feminine that's just kind of like replicating harmful gender norms. And then it's just like, what is this? So I would love to hear your thoughts about that. So that's definitely something I have been thinking a lot about um, because to me, the goddess isn't dependent on our gender or any biological feature in our body. I think that is just like exactly what you said. It is tying something bigger than like a binary can express to something that we have created as humans. And um, something I really had another aha moment the other day was realizing like 
the goddess to me is a frequency. It's an energy and it's a vibration that we all have access to no matter what. And to me, that is the aspect of the divine that cannot be thought of logically. It is the receptive, the intuitive, the part of the divine that is creative and subversive. And the way that I see goddess is really like the the subconscious it's this aspect that cannot be explained logically and it's not something that you can connect with through your head you have to connect with it through your heart and your body to really feel her power and to me the divine feminine is the creative life force energy that runs through us all that allows us to connect with the numinous and awe-inspiring energy of the universe does that make sense uh, yeah, that is so beautiful. Wow, I love that. <laughs> and that feels so much more expansive. Um, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, of course. Um, so you're working on a book about goddesses, you said, <laughs> which is very cool. <laughs> I'm wondering if there are other like goddesses, you said Venus, that inspire you or that you connect with a lot or that are part of, I don't know, that you're like in exchange with. Yeah, so if so you can I have the goddess Lakshmi behind me, who's a Hindu goddess of love and abundance and wealth, who is she, I mean, right now she's pouring her gold on my head, but I really love her. The goddesses that I have been working a lot with are Venus. I've been a devotee of her for like four years, as well as the Egyptian goddess um, Aset or Isis, who is the, like, probably the most worshipped goddess of all time, like she was worshiped for over 2000 years and is one of the most um, like well-defined goddesses in history. She has uh, like really beautiful mythology and is very much like a full, has like this kind of full expression that a lot of the other goddesses don't have. So um, Aset rules over love and devotion. She's both a wife and a mother, but like more than that, she's a caretaker. And um, she, like in her myth, she resurrects her husband, her lover slash her husband slash her brother Osiris and um, resurrects him from the dead. And it's really interesting because she has this like active kind of like rescuing role that I think we're really used to like men having like the whole like men rescuing a damsel in distress. Aset goes to the underworld and rescues Osiris and like brings him back together and then um, so she also has like this connection with magic and necromancy. She's called the mistress of magic as well as the goddess of 10,000 names because she is such um, both an expansive goddess and she adopted other goddesses um, like roles, like both like Hathor um, and some other goddesses kind of, she assimilated their uh, characteristics um and i've been working a lot with her as well as her dark twin nephthys who is the goddess of the underworld and death and funerary rites um so that's been a really beautiful relationship and i've really felt connected with her she's kind of like venus's older sister like she's a, a more ancient form of that same energy um, and then I've also been working with the goddess Babylon, who is a Thelemic goddess, a goddess of Aleister Crowley's religion. But beyond that, she is a whore goddess, a goddess of love and war and lust, um, who's really connected to the Sumerian Babylonian goddess Anana and Ishtar. Um, so, yeah, I'm really like I 
realized in quarantine, like the one thing that like very much was solidified for me was that like I am devoted to the goddess of love. And I feel like that face of the goddess, like there's so many different um different goddesses that fall under that umbrella but to me they're all kind of like different faces the same energy so those are the three that I really really work with but um yeah I've also worked like Lilith and Hecate and Kali and a bunch of other goddesses but yeah yeah I mean I love how like different goddesses different archetypes different energies it feels like come in for us when we really yes. need them or I found exactly. that anyways yeah which is really lovely and I can like ebb and flow with those things too yeah and, like, step into something else yeah. yeah and I think something that really like was an aha moment that I actually tweeted about yesterday or the day before was that like I realized that I could be devoted to more than one goddess and I feel like having that like opened so many more doors for my practice like there's this kind of idea in paganism that you have like a matron god or a matron goddess and a patron god and like those are the only deities you're devoted to but like I think when you work with goddesses that have this kind of like you know like all the goddesses I'm devoted to are goddesses of love so there's this like very much like relationship between all of them and I think that when we allow ourselves to like have that space to be devoted to like what recall to it really opens up a lot of doors Hmm. yeah and I feel like I want to ask you like what are you learning about love from these goddesses or have you learned that's such a good question I feel like well I, I feel like this is I have to say this first is that I've never like I've like dated people and like I've you know had a lot of weird experiences fun experiences all that but like I've never been in a committed relationship and I've never been in love, which is like very weird to work with goddesses of love when that isn't like something that's been in my life. But I really feel like one of the reasons that I so deeply like feel connected to the goddesses of love is because at least to me, they remind me that like romantic love is only one kind of love, like familial love, platonic love divine love, sexual love, like there are so many different ways in which we can share our heart and be connected to this energy. And like, in my opinion, the it really is like a patriarchal belief that your romantic relationship is like the most important. Because like, yeah, I don't have a boyfriend. I've never had a boyfriend. But like, the amount of love I have, like with my friends and with goddess and for myself and like, the ways I've in which I've been able to connect through other people through that, even if we're not in love, has been really, really profound. So I feel like working with the goddess of love just like expands the idea that love has to look a certain way to be valid. Yeah, that's so important. I've been thinking about this a lot during quarantine mm-hmm. and feeling angry kind of about how our culture so much devalues relationships that we have with other people like friends especially and it's like there's this pedestal for romantic relationships and it's like that's just one kind of relationship there's like kinds of relationships we can have yeah I totally agree with that yeah I really appreciate you sharing that thank you 
Um, I want to ask you a little bit more about creativity. You mentioned this with um, how you work with the divine feminine and think of the divine feminine. And you've written like so many books. And I think of you as someone who really expresses their creativity and shares their creativity with the world. Yeah. Um, So I'm just curious about your relationship with your creativity and is ritual part of that relationship, like how you work with creativity? Oh my, this is such a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked this on a podcast. So thank you for <laughs> thinking of it. I feel like creativity is super, super, super interlinked with my relationship with goddess and with magic and ritual. Like I really feel like creative energy is sexual energy, just like expressed in a different way. And a big part of my devotional practice, both to goddess and myself is through creativity, whether that is dressing up and taking photos and collaging them or creating art for goddess or like writing poetry or even like writing my books um, or my ritual guides that I write. And um, my rituals are definitely both like structured and very free flowing. And I definitely feel like um, creativity is a big part of how I come up with those rituals. Like there's certain things that I'll do, like my opening and closing rites. Like I have certain practices that I, you know, I, I work with in that, but like in the actual ritual, like I definitely feel like because like kink and sex magic are a big part of my ritual practice. Like even through those acts, like I still get to be creative and like what I'm honoring and how I'm choosing to honor that. And like, that's not something I ever necessarily like put together until you just asked me, but I definitely feel like having that creativity allows me to um, create practices and devotional rituals that like are rituals that I'll do for like two weeks or a month or more at a time that like are inspired by the dark goddess or love or whatever it is. Um, And like creativity is a big part of like how I adapt those to both suit my own needs and just like challenge myself and express like the, the intention that I have. So I definitely think it's intertwined. And I think that is super intertwined too, with both like sexual energy and like just magical energy. I think they're all kind of like the same energy, but maybe just in a different, um, slightly different form yeah yeah and while we're talking about magic I want to ask you because your book is called or your latest book is called embody your magic so I'm curious about what that means to you like what does it mean like and and feel like to embody your magic Ooh, I feel like to me embodying your magic means living a life that is in integrity and aligned with your own beliefs that allows you to take up as much space as you want and own your fullest expression in a way that feels powerful and um, validating and living from that space so that everything you do is an act of ritual and is an act of magic. Um, Starhawk has such a beautiful quote that says, all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals or all all acts of, yeah, all acts of love and pleasure. Oh my God, I just saw it and I'm butchering it. But uh, either way, like, I, I definitely think that at least to me, embodying your magic means honoring the physical self, the emotional self, the spiritual self, the mental self and soul and like honoring each aspect of those and living in attunement with those different facets of yourself. So yeah, everything turns into a ritual. Washing your hands can be a ritual, like 
holding space for a friend that you're talking to turns into a ritual. Like, um, I think it's a state of being instead of a state of like doing. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And that's something I've been working with a lot is like, yes, ritual can be sitting down at my altar. And that's so beautiful. And I love doing that and being like really intentional and specific about it. But it can also be like literally while I'm washing my hands, like I'm cleansing or it can be like I'm taking a few deep breaths before I go to bed, like those kinds of things. Yeah. And I think that. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. (laughs) I was just, I think that's like, at least for me, like, that's really like what it means to be like a magical practitioner or a witch. It's like, it's not something you're just doing when you're celebrating the full or new moon. It's the way in which you're moving through your life and like taking those moments to take a deep breath or feel the sun on your skin or like washing your hands can be such, um, it's like when you infuse your life with these moments of magic that your whole life turns into a ritual and like, something that I've been doing is that like you know we're supposed to wash our hands for 20 seconds which is like I don't want to just fucking count that shit it's so boring so (laughs) I'll do uh, a fourfold breath or a square breath and like I'll inhale for five seconds hold for five seconds exhale for five seconds and hold for five seconds and like that one cycle of breath is 20 seconds so like even just taking you know like something that can be annoying and turning it into a moment of like pause and gratitude is just so powerful I mean like even just charging your water with intention or blessing your food and thinking it like all of these little acts are like to me what constitutes a magical life yeah absolutely that's making me think of how dream tending has been such a big practice for me of like ritual and witchcraft and working with my dreams over this quarantine especially mm, um, oh my god the fucking crazy dreams are <laughs> off yeah. yeah oh my god the stress dreams too the amount of stress dreams I have about like not wearing a mask after being around people <sighs> is horrible oh my god that's so specific <laughs> to 2020 <laughs> right like I'm just like I like do something like I wasn't wearing a mask like I'm like it never stops all the fucking stress dreams are never gonna go away but I'm I'm hoping they do yeah, I'm hoping they do too. It's really been a wild year for dreams. And I'm finding too, I'm having more sex dreams recently, Ooh. which is interesting. And in some sense, I'm like, yeah, that probably makes sense. Like that's not being as expressed in my like physical oh, in person yeah, life. Well. Yeah, as I might want it to be. So like I'm getting laid in my dreams a lot. <laughs> oh, I feel, oh, I'm jealous. I'm not even having like any sex dreams. I don't have a oh. lot of sex dreams actually, which is like very strange, but it's what it is, whatever. Like, yeah, being single right now fucking sucks though. Like mm-hmm. it is hard. So I just, I feel deeply for anybody else who is single because the loneliness is real. Yeah, the loneliness is so real. And it's like, yeah, we're all in really different situations, but I feel yeah. like it's here for all of us in such a a different year. How yeah. are you working with loneliness and living alone or like a touch as well, I think? So I recently like, or I guess like in July, I joined pods with my sister and her girlfriend. And then like they ended up moving into my apartment building. So like I've been seeing them a lot and like we're very affectionate. So like I've been able to hug them. And recently I started seeing one of my best friends too. So like, I definitely feel a lot more nurtured because like those are like my people and like just seeing like those three people has like massively improved my loneliness. But like, I realized the like a few weeks ago or maybe like a month ago that like my least favorite feelings to experience are loneliness, boredom and sadness. So quarantine has been tough. 
Yeah. Um, but I just been like, well, I, I go to therapy every week. So like that is a ritual. I consider that part of my magical practice, but I have really, really, really been leaning into rituals of self-care and like having a bunch of tools that like I know help me feel better has been really, I feel really, really deeply thankful to be a witch right now. And to like not only have like a daily meditation practice, but also to have tools like breath work and tapping. And I've been doing a lot of like self-tying with rope, which helps me feel like embodied because it feels like a, like it's, you know, something else is, is holding me. Um, and then a lot, a lot, a lot of salt baths. I am, my birth chart is pretty much just air and water. So, and I'm always like fucking cold. So taking a, like, <laughs> Me too. like a, I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking snake, man. I feel like I need a warm rock. Like I'm like all air and <laughs> all air and water. I need earth and fire. Um, so taking salt baths and reading is another like way to take care of myself. Um, making sure that I'm like stretching my body and working out and like going on walks and also just like giving, like allowing myself to experience those feelings of loneliness and like releasing any shame I feel around that, um, both through practices like journaling um, and like, yeah, like I said, going to therapy, but I, it's so funny, but like, I've been able to like cultivate a deeper relationship with like some of my best friends who live in Georgia in South Carolina, where I went to college and um, having that, like having these incredible, incredible friends that I can talk to has been really, really helpful as has like, just like fucking diving into like my own magical studies. Like I've been taking a lot of classes. I started attending a weekly lodge with my school, 22 teachings. And like, that's on zoom every Saturday. And like having that sense of community has been incredible. And it's been really, really um, important and inspiring to me. So I think just like knowing that it's okay to not be okay. It's like baseline and then on top of that, like figuring out practices that have helped me feel nurtured and cared for, like rope, like taking a bath, like journaling, pulling tarot cards. Like, I feel like leaning into ritual right now is so important. And I just feel very thankful that I have a lot of different ways to do that. Yeah, I'm really feeling really thankful for that as well. And it's yeah. in a year where it's like so much is out of our control and also in a life where so much is out of our yeah. control. Yeah. feels like rooting into ritual and craft is such a reminder of my power and what power yeah. I do have. Um, Absolutely. And like finding, you know, like I'm super grateful to like I have a house and I still have work and like I have a book to write. Like I really don't think I would be in as good of a place like if I didn't have this like book because like the book is going to be published like in two years it's going to be out in spring 2022 so it feels like like having that kind of like goal and having something to work towards that I really really care about feels very um, I feel really thankful for all the things I have so that helps too you know like I'm coming this is coming from a place of like of privilege and like I'm, I'm I don't have to worry about like not having an apartment or not having a job. So I know that if I was in a different position, my, I'm sure the way that I would be reacting would be very different. So I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah, that's really important to acknowledge. And I also really appreciated what you shared about loneliness and not feeling shame around it because yeah. that immediately made me think of 
all the times I've felt so ashamed of being lonely. Like I feel like there's this thing that we learn when we're kids, if we're alone, that like we're losers and it's just like such a shameful thing. Yeah. It's so sad and not true. It is so fucked up. I, I really, I think I like, I've, I'm an introvert because like I need alone time to recharge. Like I realized like in the past couple of years that like if I'm on like a family vacation or something and I don't have enough alone time, I just get really cranky. Um, and like, it's so weird, but like, even though I'm lonely in quarantine, it's also made me realize how much alone time I actually need. Cause now I have like too many zoom calls or too many commitments. And I'm like, I can't do it. I need more alone time. <laughs> like I like hang out with my sister, and my friend for like a day. And I'm like, I need to be alone for three days. So, you know, it's definitely a dichotomy. I definitely think that being able to be alone with yourself and like love yourself and have that company is like such a powerful skill and such a powerful relationship. Like I remember when I was younger, I had this like weird realization. I was like, Oh, I'm stuck with myself for the rest of my life. Like I can't ever be anybody else. Like I can't ever like think like anybody else. Like I'm stuck in myself. So like might as well make the most of it and learn to like be okay with it. So, you know, it's a process. And I definitely think like releasing shame around these things, especially right now is really important. Yeah. And I think we're all learning some new things about ourselves in quarantine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is like hard. I've definitely felt a lot of things coming up to the surface and I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, (laughs) But important too, because I'm like, I don't want to wait for years down the road for these like patterns and these old things coming up. It's like, okay, bring it up now and let's. let's Exactly. And I feel like, because like for the first three months of quarantine like I was just by myself and I wasn't seeing anybody and this is although like it's it's definitely way easier to have people that I'm like a couple people that I'm seeing but like I remember being like I gotta be proud of myself for my strength through this like after this I'm gonna be like I fucking handle this and like I can handle whatever comes through so I think having that sense of like being proud of ourselves for surviving this is I think is really important as well yes absolutely I want to ask you the last question that I always ask on this show, um, which is because the name of the show is Living Open. What does living open mean to you or what comes up? I love this question. I feel like, well, first off, I'm just an exhibitionist. So I feel like I'm just like very open in general with both like my self-expression and my beliefs. But I think living open to me means that like having the gift of being safe enough to express my fullest self and like claiming that like nobody else in my lineage like both my parents and all the like I'm just a hundred percent Ashkenazi European Jew like nobody in my lineage has had the safety to be as open as I'm open and I really feel like it's my responsibility to like live as fully as possible committed to myself as I can in this life and that means being open with my religious beliefs, my beliefs, both with witchcraft, with my self-expression and also with like my sexual expression. So it's like, honestly, like that's like probably like living openly is who I am is like the, one of the pillars of my, of my life. So it means everything to me. Oh, I love that so much. (laughs) Can you tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you and maybe get your book? Yes. (laughs) So my website is gabriellahurstick.com, which is Gabriella with one L and then H-E-R-S-T-I-K.com. And both my Twitter and Instagram are Gabby Herstick, G-A-B-Y-H-E-R-S-T-I-K. 
Um, and that has like links, my website and my Instagram and Twitter have links, like my columns and all my books and uh, the ritual guides I write. So those are the three places where you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for being Thank here. So much. Such a beautiful conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I hope this episode felt supportive for you. I hope it was as much fun for you to listen to as it was for me to record it. Um, definitely, you know, check out Gabby's work, Instagram, Twitter, the books, all the things. I guess I'm not on Twitter, so maybe it's weird for me to tell you to check out her Twitter. <laughs> check out her Instagram. <laughs> that I can definitely vouch for. Um, and yeah, she has some great books. And um, if you really enjoyed this episode, please do just tap five stars on Apple Podcasts. Or if you have a couple minutes or a moment, you could also write a nice review. That's really, really helpful in helping other people find the show, especially when you're an indie podcast like this one is with no big network or support from anyone else or anything. So that's a nice way to be in exchange with the show if you want to support its continuation and help other people find it. That's all I have for you today. Hope to see you in Breathwork for the Heart, and I'll be back on Monday with the Sagittarius season medicine of episode of the podcast, which is shocking, as I feel like I've said for every seasonal episode that's come out, but this year just feels like the longest year ever and also a blur at the same time. So see you next time for that episode. Stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.